Plague, it says. Affliction, especially as divine punishment. Pestilence, disease. As a verb, to afflict, to annoy, to bother. I had that dream again. And again, I reached out my hand to the proffered cigarette and drawing it to my mouth, guided the light and breathed in. Two, three, four, and out. Two, three, four. Sucking the warm smoke down deep, deep, deep as I danced once more to the strains of the Plague House Orchestra. Nowadays I smoke about 40 a day, which, which is actually down. I used to smoke about 60. But <laughs> and it wasn't a conscious decision to cut back. I just smoked less than I used to. I had my first cigarette in when I was 14 years old in the Ritz Cinema in Ballsbridge, which we used to call the Shack. And I remember it was a Craven A, a brand you can't get in this country any longer, long gone. And that was, what, 42 years ago. And I've smoked ever since. There's never been a period in that time that I didn't smoke. See, I like smoking. That's the difference. People who don't smoke say, how can you bear to swallow uh, this stuff which tastes horrible and smells horrible? Well, it smells horrible to some people. But I actually like the taste of tobacco. It has a calming influence. I think most people would accept that. And um, really, I, I don't know what I'd do without it, you know. I am a smoker, and I shouldn't be, but I would like to tell you a story, the story of what smoking has done to me. It has destroyed my life. It has literally destroyed my life. And my father was uh, a heavy smoker. He died of emphysema when I was 10. So the first thing I have to say is that I didn't come to this situation innocent. I was fully aware of the effect that cigarettes could have on you. I also had asthma as a child. And um, so I, I knew what I was doing. And I am really at a loss to understand exactly why I did it. When I was 16 years old, I was doing a French exchange 
and where one young woman was meant to come over from Paris to my house for two weeks. Instead, she insisted on coming with her best friend for one week. And these two young women were very sophisticated and uh, rather disdainful of everything in Ireland, and me in particular. And I got it into my head that I would try to become a very sophisticated person. And at that time, one could smoke on top of the bus. And I made a deal with myself that I would learn how to smoke without coughing and choking before this pair went back to France and that I would just be very sophisticated on top of the bus. This is when I started to smoke. But I could only smoke in holiday times because I was away at school. And uh, unfortunately, it's just something I have kept on doing. I smoke 30 to 40 cigarettes a day. I suppose five years. I'd save up five years of an oxygen. Uh, not as heavy as I have at the moment, but in the last two years, they've added this ebonizer, which I operate every six hours. It's a, it's, it's a mask, something like uh, these spaceships, and, and you pour the liquid into it, and, it and, and you put it into a plug, it's a little gadget, and when you put this plug on, it's like a vapor, it evaporates. I put it all over really my nose and face. And I breathe in, and it's, it's a godsend. It goes right down into the chest, and you can feel your chest expanding. Whatever it is to stop it down in the chest, it clears it. 25 minutes to 20 minutes. And when that's finished, then I take it off, and immediately I put on my oxygen. But recently, uh, I have got worse because uh, I don't know why I've got worse but but in the last 6 to 12 months I couldn't walk from this chair I'm sitting in to that table over there two feet I couldn't walk <clears throat> I was a bus conductor this is the whole problem I was a bus conductor for 20 years I smoked 50 cigarettes a day. I worked hard. I worked double days, 8, 18, 20 hour day. I came out of this house at 1 o'clock in the morning and I was back out on a bike, I know, a car, a bike. So the Cunningham Road, don't be stuck, back home, maybe a two hour sleep, after breakfast, up again, out at 12 o'clock that night. All I wanted was a cigarette. I didn't drink. I wanted nearly a luxury after that. My wife and my family was my main concern. And whatever they wanted it cost. But cigarettes, that's what I live for. And for 20 years, I smoked 50 cigarettes a day and enjoyed it. And that's why I put a smoke was down upstairs in Barcelona. And you go upstairs and that's your first, the first thing in the morning. It was like a gas chamber. Jeez, you couldn't see the outside the window. The phone is first thing I do, and I have to open the window to about an inch. Even the stars on the ground. And me, I was the most comfortable the whole lot. But nevertheless, I choose to get into you then. But then, but then, a driver I had been with 20 years ago, we have to get together again. And he's the man that's going to have me on. He says, hey, says, hey, uh, you're a changed man. Say, what's wrong? See, you're breathing. Say, what's wrong with your breathing? Say, what's wrong with your breathing? Say, what's wrong with your breathing? Like heavy there. I say, you must be joking me, Joe. He's joking the same man as me. Okay, so you made a point today. We got to be. I was only 24 at the time. 
We handed over at, at King's Bridge, come for a break, and we'll do the Queen Ball Garage. Okay, now, says he. See that bridge there? We pretend there's a bus coming and we're going to run like hell for us. I want you to go with me. See how far we get, what happens. So I put the box behind back and I ran. Oh, gee, when I got across it, I nearly collapsed. Now, says he, yeah, we was caught in jail for half an hour after. I couldn't believe it. So I said, I'm sorry, Joe, but I don't have a point. You'd be all right, says he. So I did. So I'm trying to cut that stretch out, he said to me. Ah, so not at all. How would I carry on smoking? But then, eventually, he was right. <coughs> <coughs> When I was pregnant with my first child, Leslie, um, I remember coming from the youth centre and uh, there was a priest and um, I was able to do cartwheels when I was pregnant. And I remember him saying, oh, my God, he says, look at her, you know, but that's how fit I was. I was very fit, even though I was smoking from an early age. My friend smoked, and it was just cool to be smoked, you know. Everybody smoked at the time, you know, so it was good to get in with the crowd that smoked, you know. I took a cigarette when I was ten. We would steal the cigarettes from our mothers, you know. We'd take one off the mantelpiece, and she'd catch us. I remember my mother catching me, and she used to say to me, when you can afford to smoke, you can smoke. And... um, then I also used to, I feel very bad for saying this, myself and my brother and my friends, we used to follow people who smoked and we would pick up their butts and we'd take them home and put them into a pipe belonging to my father and crush them all up and we'd sit there smoking up in the bedroom, you know. So it was just a thing to do, smoking, you know. We did it. I remember when I was when I, I was 11 and a half and I was making my confirmation in Ringsend Church and all I could think of was that um, I'm going to give my mum some of this money and then I'm going to spend the rest on cigarettes. You know, I'm going to have plenty of money left for the smoke, for to buy my own smokes. I did love them. I have to say that I did love smoking. I did so did so did uh, most people of my generation probably the lucky ones that didn't smoke you know I, I just loved smoking I loved to have a cigarette I enjoyed them I did enjoy them I have to say I enjoyed them pain was very discovered you know like you can't eat in your stomach it's terrible. Because he's making them famous. Because it's good. I think that's all I have to say. Because I'm just exhausted. I would say that I've done a certain amount of long-term damage to myself. I am fortunate in that I have dogs. 
So I walk these dogs every day, which gives me some degree of exercise, but I couldn't run. And I don't think that I could play a game of tennis or do anything that strenuous um, over a long period of time. I think that kind of degree of uh, fitness is gone. I don't know if it would ever come back. If I were to stop right now, I don't know if it would ever come back. Um, but yeah, I'd say I've done a certain amount of damage. In the last few years, I've had a couple of isolated instances of little asthma attack, which weren't very serious. They, they were enough to give me a fright in the sense that a doctor did once say to me that the classic situation for long-term heavy smokers is that they will get asthma in adulthood. And this may then lead on to other complications of one kind or another. But I had a couple of attacks and uh, I dealt with them and I'm fine. I remember we don't do anything on the Navy six. And Phil is mad as it was. After two years, I used to walk everywhere. From Thomas Barn into O'Connor Bridge, no problem. And this particular evening, I left O'Connor Bridge and got as far as Queen Street. And I started to breathe. Couldn't hear me breath. I did battles to meet him cigarettes, carried on up as far as Thomas Street, rest again. Yes, under my head. So I carried up as far as Thomas Barn Bridge, and I rested there for about a half an hour, about two cigarettes. I walked to the house. And from that on, then it starts. I used to gauge. I walked from that post to that Stop. Hunch it. Get me breath. Pass on again. Get me breath. Duck and duck. Then, once I got water, I had to stop. Halfway between the two posts, the two posts. And I say when I got worse, this is coming up to the time then. I was carried out of the house to James's. They fixed me up, got grants. Came up to sickness completely. For eight months, yeah, but there was something missing. I can't put into words, but that cigarette to me is part of my medication. If I haven't got that, the medication, yeah, it's great. But after so long, when I get that, something I can't explain. But I am terrific. I, as an individual, knows that that cigarette to me is doing me the world of good. I think anybody who smokes feels adverse effects. Uh, eventually, it affects your breathing. Now, to varying degrees, you get people who are quite ill and who can't breathe at all. But anybody who smokes even quite a small amount will notice a certain amount of breathlessness. Um, you know, you, you won't be a professional footballer and smoke. Although, startlingly enough, a number of sports people smoke. Not heavily, but they do smoke. But it is bad for you, and you can feel it. Uh, you can feel it on your lungs. Other than that, I don't feel any ill effects. One element of the uh, deleterious effect of smoking, which a lot of people don't realise, is it affects your eyesight eventually. Uh, tobacco affects the optic nerve. And I was having my eyes retested last year you know, getting glasses updated. And the optician, who I didn't know, um, she spent about an hour doing all the various tests, and when she'd finished, said, no, you're, 
you don't need new glasses. And he said, I see you're a heavy smoker. And I said, how do you know? He said, you can see it on the back of your eyes. You get a coating which will diminish. It, it won't um, totally affect your eyesight, but it does actually blur it slightly. That now I don't like. I have a smoker's cough in the mornings and quite often late at night. And, um, you know, a smoker's cough is caused by the fact as you sleep, your lungs become congested and you wake up with a cough. And it's bad for you. There, there are all sorts of uh, things you've got, you, you become conscious of when you're a heavy smoker. Uh, cold, uh, an ordinary uh, common or garden cold can turn into a chest cold very easily and be quite unpleasant. Um, and uh, I'm very, very conscious of that. And of course you can't run for buses or things like that. I'm not so sure I could run for buses even if I didn't smoke, but you, you certainly can't if you're a heavy smoker. <coughs> <coughs> I was married and I had um, my daughter and the doctors would ask did you smoke do you smoke and um, I I said yes I do smoke and he said well I'd advise you to give them up while you're pregnant so I went home and I says I have to give up smoking because um, you know I don't want to harm the baby I don't want to have a small baby and I started to try and I sat down when I came from the hospital and I said I'm off the cigarettes I'm not smoking anymore the fags I call I'm off the fags and I lasted an hour I, I shook I had I sweated I oh I just, I needed a cigarette. I had to have a cigarette. And I lasted one hour. So I said, well, I'll just have one. And after that one, I won't have another one. And then I lasted about another three hours because I was saying, this is for my baby. I was 21 and I was pregnant. And I was saying, I can't, I can't do this. You know, I can't harm my baby. And I continued on to smoke through my pregnancy. And I continued on to smoke through my second child. And I had a miscarriage then, which they put down to smoking. They said, if you didn't smoke, you wouldn't have a miscarriage. I have four children, and I had four miscarriages. And... I'm actually dying for a cigarette sitting here now. And when I really started to realise that I'm on the road to hell was uh, when I had a clot. When I had a blood clot. And um, I went to the hospital didn't know what it was. I couldn't breathe. I had pain in my shoulder. I had pain in my lung. And I could feel my lung rubbing up and down. And going along in the car, I was with my husband, I was saying, um, uh, give me a cigarette. Uh, before I go in, I have to have a cigarette. Up until I went into the door of the hospital. And I'd have a packet of mints because I knew that at this stage that they would be giving out, you know. Well, do you smoke? You know, and what are you smoking for, you know? 
but they diagnosed that I had a pulmonary embolism, which is a deep vein thrombosis. And that was my first one. And I swore to God that I would never smoke again. And when I was in the hospital, I actually didn't stop smoking. When I began to feel a bit better, I used to go down with my drip on into the smoking room and smoke. Because I used to meet people there and you'd get chatting with people in the smoking room and they'd say, what are you in for and what are you in for? And I'd say, well, I had a clot on my lung, but I'm grand now. This heparin is breaking it all up. And um, I'd say, and what are you in for? And he says, ah, a fella said to me, he said, ah, he says, I had a heart attack. And uh, I said, and here we are with cigarettes. We're still smoking. And he says, well, I can't stop. And I said, well, I can't stop either. There is a moment, maybe only a split second in the life of every cigarette, when its smoker stands back and observes calmly, dispassionately, their own involvement in this most consummately self-destructive act. And then, what the hell, once more inhales and exhales, drawing a magic circle round their self. It won't hurt me. Not this time. Not this fag. had friends, we've all had friends who've died from illnesses which were probably certainly exacerbated by smoking and uh, generally speaking people don't uh, worry until it's too late. It's, I suppose it's childish to an extent because you see young people smoking teenagers, which I'd rather not see incidentally, um, I, I would never encourage anybody to begin smoking but when you're 15 or 16 uh, you literally think you're immortal. You're not going to die. You don't know anybody who's died and it's never going to happen to you. As you get older, you realise that everybody's going to die sooner or later. And uh, that becomes less of a concern at that stage. Now, I'm going to let you sit out in the chair now, OK? Now, Mary, OK? Now, nice and relaxed. Relax the shoulders first before we begin. Very good. OK? Now breathe from the tummy. Be nice and relaxed and out through your mouth. <coughs> sit up to cough it up. <coughs> Just put it this way. You have some longing for something in your life. Well, what it is, you would do anything to get that. All the luxuries of the world, multi cars, but nothing. Anything. I have a wonderful lapsy. I, I throw it away. Here you are. If a fella comes to me and says, oh, there's your lapsy, a quarter of a million pound, and there's a cigarette. You're going to go nuts, man. Don't worry. I take the cigarette. 
I'm content. That's what life is all about. Contentment. I, I, I'm sorry now. I don't mean to be... This, this is me. All I want is one cigarette at three. If I don't get that, I'm up the wall. As a matter of fact, there's a nurse there in James's hospital. And she'll verify this. But I was going back for a cigarette one night. I couldn't convince her. I was different than anybody else. I want that cigarette. After half an hour, she eventually agreed. And I told her, Nurse says, I'm going this down this hall to have this smoke. And I'm bad looking bad to you now, but I can't see you. When I come back up here, I'll be a new man. I went down, I grabbed that cigarette, and, I sh- and the way back up, the nurse couldn't believe it. Mr. Carney, she says, you're right. She says, you are a new man. Now, see, that's what a cigarette to me means. To others, it could be a debt. To me, it's life. I still smoke, because that's why God is a cigarette. Self-inflicted call me what you like. I know what you mean, I know. I have had a form of breast cancer and um, I have come through all that and I'm absolutely fine now. But the reason that that I bring this up is because my sister died of breast cancer when she was 34. And in many ways I found the fear of developing the disease a lot worse than actually coping with it once I'd been told I had it. In some ways, I don't put much credence in panic and fear because I think you deal with things when they happen to you. And if you worry about them, if you're afraid of them all the time, then you're dealing with them anyway, whether they happen to you or not. I felt for a while actually very embarrassed lighting up cigarettes in front of my friends who knew that I was undergoing chemotherapy and so on. But then I thought, this is my way of dealing with things. And... um, that's all you can do is deal with things your own way life just pulls you along you deal with things as they happen you have at that point no choice and to sit down and worry about what might or might not happen in the future I've decided is effectively a waste of time so I acknowledge the fear and I understand why I should be afraid but in some ways that will just make me nervous enough to light another cigarette and get on with it now, Mary, I'm going to put you on this. You'll hear me whizzing. You'll hear her whizzing. Airborne. Airborne, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, now, Mary. another clot about eight months later I think it was Christmas morning I came down to open the presents and I don't get much warning you see and um, I said I think I'm having a clot and I had to leave my kids on Christmas morning which I felt very sad about and um, I cry a lot when I go into hospital because I don't like going in because I know I'm going in and I'm going on oxygen I'm also asthmatic 
and um, I uh, cried on Christmas morning very much so because uh, I'd left uh, my kids to open their presents you know which wasn't very nice so I felt guilty over that you know so it was diagnosed as I had had another clot and then on my next clot I, I, I had said then I am going to stop I'm really going to stop I didn't stop I gave my cigarettes to the nurses and I said will you take them and don't give them back to me I'm never smoking again and then I was down in the smoking room and I was asking people for a cigarette and then I said God I can't be doing this and I used to flush them down the toilet and then I went up back up and I begged the nurses to give me back my cigarettes that I couldn't manage and reluctantly they didn't want to but they did and I went back down I used to look out the smoking window and I used to say I used to say ma'am you, you, you've got to help me to stop smoking for my sake for the sake of the kids for the sake of Martin who's had to put up with me through my illness I had a class when my eldest daughter was 13 which is a great occasion when your daughter's a teenager you know your first daughter and I was in hospital I felt very bad about that and thought I'd stop then and I didn't because I felt guilty I had a class when I had two World Cups I'm a soccer fanatic I saw two World Cups in um, uh, Bowmount and um, actually I had a class one night in the bingo we just left the bingo and uh, we were flying and when we got to the hospital it was very funny because there was a nuclear exercise on and um, at the time um, I went in uh, I was put beside people and they had um, everybody was pretending to be sick and I was put in beside a man with false things on him false scabs or burns and this and that and I remember um, a doctor coming in and I was going <sighs> and um, he said um are you for real? You know, and it was, it was funny. You know, and I, I was trying. I was like, no, no, no. They know me in here. I think I'm having another class. And of course, they dashed in. I came in f- a week last Friday. I just can't check the date. Now. Really, I was not able to walk. Emphysine in my lung. <coughs> and breathing. I, I lie like this always. I, I don't lie down. With, I've had very, very frightening experience. I panic. No air comes to me. And I do think I'm just going to no air comes to me it just stops I'm able to deal with it but of late I have got a lot worse with the panic you know no air it's just dreadful 
<coughs> now, okay. Relax the shoulders for me the way I was showing you. All right. That's it. Just let everything go really loose. And now breathe from the tummy. I had a... a a clot in um, last July and um, I had a very bad one in my stomach and I had to be operated on. Uh, it was an emergency operation and I had to have one of my ovaries removed and I had uh, loads of stitches and I was so sore and I was so sick and so upset and again I said when I go home I won't smoke and I couldn't walk and I couldn't move and I was having uh, a lot of uh, petadine injections for the pain and I was very depressed and very sad and I was very depressed that I was smoking and very upset that I was still smoking I think it's a self-destructive urge. Actually, at bottom, I do think that. I think hmm, we're told that we mustn't smoke because it's bad for our health, because we can get cancer, we can get emphysema, we can get this, that and the other. And I think while we take that in at one level, at another we think, well, why not? You've got to go somehow. And perhaps it's better to go younger of something that's manageable than older of one of these appalling things that can make you linger on for years and years losing your mind and your bodily functions and your personality and I think it's self-destructive I don't feel guilty about smoking it's, uh, I suppose it's tinged with an element of, of pure selfishness because um, as I say it's bad for you it costs a lot of money and people this is an element which the medical profession and various people who are against smoking tend to ignore. It's an expensive habit. Um, it's more expensive to smoke, say, 40 cigarettes a day. That's 40 cigarettes a day nowadays would cost you about £6, pounds, which is £42 pounds a week, which is £2,000 pounds a year. You could drink a lot of alcohol for £2,000 pounds a year. Uh, in fact, you'd probably drink enough for it to be a serious problem. That I, I regret, and I feel guilty about. I do feel guilty about wasting money on cigarettes and you are I suppose to an extent I mean at this stage of my life smoke I've been smoking for so long um, if I stopped I've got to be honest and say the reason wouldn't be for health reasons uh, if I became so ill that I couldn't smoke well I mean in that case the decision is taken out of your hands anyway but um, you know as you get older you do realise you are going to die sooner or later now okay you don't do anything that will hasten your death very, very rapidly. But at the same time, if, if if a doctor says, well, if you smoke, it's going to knock two years off your life, well, that's not going to, you know, I don't think that's going to bother anybody terribly much. I think in some ways, smokers are more vulnerable. I think that they have a shared guilt and that they tend to congregate in little groups and recognise one another as people of perhaps less certitude and less moral rectitude and... I don't know if it's fun, but I think there is a certain connection. There's something about being in a completely strange situation 
where the smokers congregate in a little knot at the back of a room and you think, this is like an instant little society. We have something in common here. And you often find yourself talking with people in a way that you wouldn't necessarily do. I feel guilty about smoking because I have a 15-year-old son and it would break my heart if he were to start smoking and I'm obviously it's very morally dubious for me to be telling him that this is not a good thing to do uh, while at the same time I'm doing it myself. And I'm angry with myself because I think it's a great waste. It's an enormous waste of money. I actually hate the smell of cigarette smoke so that we live permanently winter and summer with every window in our house wide open. Everybody's frozen. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not a particularly intelligent way to live, especially as we don't have central heating. But this is a fact. I hate the smell of cigarette smoke. And I feel very, very embarrassed when I go to the houses of non-smoking friends. When death comes, it comes. That's us. After death, it may get soon. Ever happens. Nobody knows that. If it is, you would do that. I smoke, as I can, I can't say, I smoke that three cigarettes a day. Nothing in the world means nothing to me those three cigarettes to me it's, it, it's me it's me those three cigarettes are me others give it to me that's me I don't mean if I'm making sense or whatever it is if anybody realises what cigarettes does to them they it will just get yourself shot the, the, the agony and the torment that I went through you're no use to people sociably People around you, you're a board of people. And also your wife and your family, they aren't so worried about you. Everybody's concerned. You as an individual want a cigarette. Just like, give them up. That's it. That's where it is. Don't even try to say, I'll have just one. That's the one. That's, 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 that's the problem. One day's answer. 10, 20, 30. That's it. The determination is in me for to stop, but I can't. I just can't. It kind of calms me to smoke, but has me hysterical that I do smoke, you know. Every cigarette that I put in my mouth, I don't want to put in my mouth. It sounds terrible, but fright makes me smoke. And I live on a knife edge. I do live on a knife edge. Because I worry about having another clot. And I pick up a cigarette with worry. And I smoke. And that sounds, I know, ridiculous. But I do. And probably if I didn't smoke, the chances are I might not have another clot. But the chances also are that I have done the damage. And that... It may be irreversible. And I, do, I don't feel like I'm going to die. I don't feel like I'm going to die. But I feel that they may kill me in the end.
bit an apple. Pandora opened a box. Here, as the orchestra plays, we have known bitter knowledge and are fettered by it. Never truly free of the urge to reach out and light up. Never really without envy of those who do. And as we dance on, breathing in and out, in and out, we come face to face with the terror of our own mortality and the plague that is upon us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.